Pull yourself up a chair and join us at the Energy Roundtable. Welcome to the Energy Roundtable on this week's edition. Um, my sparring partner, she's got uh, her sleeves rolled up and uh, she's ready to duel. So, Lisa, welcome. Thank you, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm great. And how are you? I'm good. Thank you. I love your background. Uh, biogas is my first love, uh, <laughs> technology speaking, and a uh, nice biogas project in the background. So let's jump right in. I got, I got a first article. The article is from smartenergydecisions.com and it is a bitcoin related article bitcoin is in the news all the time these days for a variety of reasons whether it be elon musk's appearance on saturday night live or um you know the the rise and fall of the different uh, different uh, bitcoin currencies this article is green edge so it's not a typo i thought it was like green bridge or green ridge but it's green edge bitcoin mining to be carbon neutral in june and so what they're committing to is that by June 1st, they will be carbon neutral via offsets. So not via renewable energy necessarily directly, but via paying for offsets, they will be carbon neutral. Um, and what's interesting about this is that the the secret, the kind of the dirty laundry on Bitcoin mining, uh, which requires a lot of electricity for computational power, is that most of that electricity is not, it's cheap, but it's not clean. And so what these folks are saying is they're going to get ahead of that and they're going to be providing a green zero emissions uh, Bitcoin mining capacity. So very, very uh, interesting step forward. Uh, any thoughts, Lisa? Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, Matt. <clears throat> yeah, I give that a thumbs up. I think that's a, a pretty good article, especially because some of the uh, we'll call it geographical regions of some of these Bitcoin miners are in places where the power realistically isn't very clean. And, you know, it might not be very clean for five or 10 years. So if they're going to be able to, you know, purchase carbon credits and still make themselves, uh, you know, uh, hit that uh, carbon neutral goal, I think that's a good news story. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up. I'm a big, I'm, I'm following this whole Bitcoin and, and crypto and, and uh, blockchain world very closely. And this is definitely the black mark on the industry as the rest of the world moves to a greener world. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the world changes with, with more and more decisions like this. So very, very cool. All right, give us your first one. Well, the reason I've got the biogas back uh, background here, or backdrop, is because uh, it kind of fits in nicely to my article today. So its customers can now opt up to green the gas supply. This was an article that was all over um, the news with uh, Enbridge. This particular version that I have is from the Canadian Business Journal. Um, but basically, it's about a voluntary program that Enbridge is putting on that's allowing customers to support the transition to clean energy future, to a clean, clean energy future. Um, and basically, it's, you know, they're able to contribute $2 a month as a cost-effective option to help offset the increased cost to acquire carbon-neutral renewable natural gas. So <clears throat> at first glance, I give this a thumbs up, but I also kind of give it a thumbs down. Only because I think it's great that you can opt into this program. It's going towards something greener and, you know, but I, I think the acceleration of the renewable natural gas space here in Ontario specifically needs to be, it needs to get fast forwarded a little bit. I think we're a little bit behind other jurisdictions from a global perspective. I, I would love to have the opportunity to actually purchase that renewable natural gas molecule for my house. And I know there's industrial customers that are just, you know, waiting for that to become available as well. 
So it's a it's a thumbs up because <clears throat> I think it's going in the right direction, but a thumbs down because I think that uh, they need to fast forward it, especially to keep up with this whole electrification trend. Well, as is often in the case on the roundtable, you're far too nice. Uh, <laughs> the, the, on the on the story itself, it's a big thumbs down because you're 100 percent right. The two dollars a month, you can't even buy a coffee for two bucks anymore in mm-hmm. today's day and age, depending on where you buy your coffee. And this is it's going to be pittance. And and the reality is, you know, there are a lot of people who want to, you know, if it if we were talking $2 a GJ, okay, that's a little bit, that's still a drop in the bucket, but you know, mm-hmm. $2 a gigajoule, $2 an MMBTU, that's a little bit more aggressive and you're still going to get lots of people who are going to sign up for that. Uh, $2 a month. It's like, uh, unless, unless they're forcing it on everybody, that's different. But if it's voluntary yeah. at $2 yeah, voluntary. a month, um, I'm a, I'm a thumbs down for, you know, lack of, you know, stretching us uh, and offering and offering an opportunity for us to be stretched. Yeah. So, and, and it's an interesting parlay because, you know, I, I, and you, I think you, you know, the, the low hanging fruit as it relates to conversion away from fossil based fuel is going to be in the transition in the transportation space. And my next article is an article uh, from um, it's a bunch of news wires out there uh, that carried this article. I saw it first in the uh, Financial Post, which is the subset of the National Post, one of our national newspapers here up in Canada. The article headline is First Student, which is a bus operating company, and Lion Electric announced largest zero emission school bus order of 260 buses. So First Student, which is a large uh, multinational, uh, I think North American, um, they, they're ordering these buses that are all lithium ion. And so Lion uh, Lion Electric, um, I I kind of know them a little bit. I They were fused with the SPAC and, and I know kind of some of the guys involved. And uh, I think it's Quebec based. I think it's Montreal based or Ottawa based. I should I should get that right here. Yeah, um, they operate in, in Quebec. Um, and uh, oh, so the buses will actually be used in Quebec, and uh, so big, big deal here. And I, I mean, transportation fuel, low-hanging fruit. If it's Quebec and it's renewable energy, uh, big thumbs up for this story, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. No, I totally agree. I think uh, you know we uh, we really need to kind of uh, push the boundaries there, and I think we're starting to kind of move in that direction, which is great. So. No, that's awesome. One thing I was trying to think, and and I don't know if I mean nobody's in Ontario is riding the school bus these days, but <laughs> did you, did you ride a school school bus to school? I did. Yeah, I did up until I was like uh, I don't know if it was 18 years old when I first got my car, something like that. But no, it was actually it was low. No, I was younger than that. I think it was 17 years old. But yes, I did up until then. I I didn't. I walked to school for most of or for all of my elementary career because we lived around the corner. Um, I took a, a bus in high school. I, I was trying to think how would this change the experience of of riding in a bus. It'll be interesting to see like, are there derivative benefits to the kids? Uh, you know, I mean, they're not going to be sucking on fumes indirectly. You know, that's that's positive. Um, <laughs> but does it change the experience of riding the school bus? I I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be fun to see that kind of stuff. So. Well, I guess I guess it depends on uh, you know what the client, what the what the uh, the kids' values are. Maybe they're you know it, it makes them happier to get to school every day because they know they're they're doing something better for the environment. The the, uh, the the pick the pickup they'll they'll be glued to the back of their seats more often because the pickup with the uh, torque <laughs> will help quite a bit. <laughs> well, that leads us into the next article. So this is in the business section. It is an article actually that's a uh, well a little bit older now, but it's uh, from May the tenth uh, from the Toronto Star. 
It was written by Tim Nash, and it's titled, It's Past Time to Switch to Sustainable Investments. And basically, it's talking about uh, mutual and ETF funds or exchange-traded funds uh, that are committed to financial and sustainability performance and environmental, social, and governments commitments. Um, they basically are suggesting that the um, you know funds are actually doing quite well. And, um, you know, a, a number of different corporations have basically pledged to meet uh, net zero by 2050. And so 2020 saw a launch of record number of new sustainable investment funds, including new exchange traded funds from BMO, BlackRock and Wellsimple. Um, there's a whole bunch of there's a huge list here. Um, Canadian, uh, U.S., global and international equity firms, uh, you know, BMO, as I said, there's RBC. Um, there's Invesco, Fidelity Group. Um, but what I thought was most interesting is just the number of investors that are part of the newer or rather younger generation that are increasingly wanting their investments to align with um, not just their financial goals, but their values as well. And it made me think a little bit about how quickly we've transitioned in the course of a, you know one or two years to where we are today. And uh, also made me think of a story um, that a, a client and I were talking about the other day. We were on the line talking about, you know, how, you know, electric vehicles are coming out, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles and just the space and how fast things are moving. And he said, well, when you think about it, you know, we went we transitioned from horse to, and horse and buggy to automobiles, like everybody adopting them in basically a decade. And. Mm. I think that these types of investments, these this younger generation is really going to uh, fast track or, you know, move this whole energy transition in a much faster forward, you know, looking pace than if they were because, you know, if they're concerned about investments, they're going to be concerned maybe about that electric school bus or they're going to be concerned about going to a university that is doing better for the environment. And, you know, where, where do those where do the, where does the younger generation stop? I You know, I'm talking to a cheese manufacturer yesterday and part of the reason they're interested in biogas is, you know, they they know that the younger people want to buy a cheese from an environmentally sustainable company. Right. So I think that's uh, that's quite interesting. And I think it's going to fast forward things even faster than what they have been, you know, at the rate that they've been going moving so far. Yeah, and it's I mean, let's be grateful that we have the luxury that we can we can think this way, right? Like, you know, the other the other dynamic that a lot of people don't talk about, I think, is that, you know, when the economy is as good and as strong as it is, we have a little bit of extra juice to to because you're you're paying a premium for this stuff, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. we are paying more. Um, you know, I, when you when you talk about that transition from horses uh to cars, <laughs> I, lo I love the Henry Ford quote that says uh you know, if, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have wanted a faster horse, you know, and, and so he saw past that and he gave them, you know, a car. Right. And so some of that is leadership. You have to see past what, you know, what we want and see to what the innovation is. Right. So, yeah, uh, very, very good. All right. It is time for our face off and we will invite our producer extraordinaire, our uh, Oh, look at that. Here we go. Oh, hello. Go. Oh, hello, Mark. <laughs> you, for our for our audio only listeners, you must explain what Lisa and I are uh, fixing our eyes on right now. Well, this is the most important story of the day, I believe. The Montreal Canadiens beating the Leafs uh, in game one last night. So, um, yeah. So, I think uh, that's why I'm sporting the red today. And it Very might be good. the only day I get to do this because if the Leafs uh, play like they should be, it might be the only one we can get. So... <laughs> And all our thoughts and prayers to John Tavares. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. That was mm -hmm. rough. 
Well, good for you. I'm a big uh, sports fan, so uh, good for you for laying it on thick. What's what's the face-off for us today? Face-off is biomass as a, a fuel source. Uh, pros and cons versus other fuels, I guess, or other other uh, options. Um, and Matt, I will allow you to pick heads or tails. I got my quarter here, so here we go. Flips. Heads. And it is heads. All so right. You get the pro or the con, what would you choose? Oh, well, Lisa always gets this all. I'm going to take the easy one, which is the pros. Lisa. Uh-oh. And Lisa's, Lisa's always more prepared, so she gets to go first. Oh, I get to go first? Oya, moya. Wow, this is going to be hard. Wow. Okay, how am I going to play this one now? Um. Well, I guess to start, I will preface this by suggesting that Bio ma- oh, nice glasses there, Mark. Yeah, you're. <laughs> my po- I, I got to keep my poker face, right? So love it. <clears throat> uh, so I mean, obviously, I'm pro. I'm pro biomass. However, I think the biggest argument that needs to be made on the biomass front is really the sustainability of the fuel, and if you're doing it properly. And you know, one could argue that if it's not done properly, then it's not a great fuel source. So you know, that means. Making sure that, you know, your biomass is in pretty close proximity, ideally, to the facility where you're going to be using it. So you're avoiding other transportation like diesel, for example. Now, if it's hydrogen trucks doing it or something like that, or maybe battery trucks, that might be hard to argue. Um, but but also, I think there's the, you know, the whole piece about planting trees and renewing, um, you know, the, you're, you're, you're obviously going to be taking down trees that might be 100 years old or 200 years old, who knows? And, you know, you need to replace that uh, properly, obviously. Um, and then obviously, as more biomass facilities are put in place, the demands for these materials are going to increase. So we have to think about what does that look like in terms of the pressure that it's putting on our natural resources, um, especially because Unfortunately, climate change is already starting to affect some of those natural resources. Like you think of some of the California fires, right? Now that fuel source is disappearing, right? So yes, there's a lot of it, but we have to manage it properly. Um, And the only other thing we need to keep in mind is, uh, well, obviously the cost can be pretty expensive initially. um, And uh, certainly is more expensive than the natural gas is currently. And from a space perspective, typically they require quite a bit of space just because it's not just burning the biomass, but it's the, you know, pre-treatment and drying of that material and just the larger footprint that a lot of those plants require. So keeping all that in mind, um, if if it, that can piece can be done properly, I think it's a pro. Sorry, so you were and asked... I, and to, I set you up perfectly there, Matt. <laughs> well, you were asked to argue the cons and you gave all the reasons, all the ways to make it a pro. So, um, <laughs> well, it's were, really hard to do it when you don't believe in a con, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you weren't on the debate team in high school, were you? <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I, I won the coin toss and, and, uh, I picked the pros. I mean, you know, here we are in Canada and, you know, we are blessed with one, number one or number two supply of, you know, biomass, woody biomass uh, in the world. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's a real natural resource and um, it's, it's widely available. It's, you know, the more, if, if we, if, and when we manage our biomass resources very well, then uh, we are not only uh, using a fuel that's already available, um, we are using a fuel that uh, we can replant and we, it truly is renewable. We can replant and the more we, and ideally if we plant ahead of what we consume, we can pull more CO2. So it, you know, it can be net um, CO2 uh, negative and, 
Um, it's 24-7, right? So it's it's sunny outside now, hence Mark's glasses. Um, might <laughs> might not be windy, uh, and it's not going to be sunny at night, but biomass is 24-7, right? And biomass has this flexibility. You can burn it and make electricity, or you can put it through a gasifier, and you can get gas, or you can, hey, what did we what did we discover very early on as civilization? We discovered fire. Uh, fire was an early form of biomass because we were harvesting the heat. So, you know, it's kind of um, it's kind of been around a while. It's got a good track record in that regard. Um, you know, there's a lot of supply. Uh, yes, there's some material handling things to worry about, um, but uh, there's a lot of benefits that way. Let's not forget about job creation, right? You have, uh, you know, many of us had friends or we went tree planting. You know, that's a job creator for those of us who are trying to put our way through college or more importantly, uh, economic development in more uh, rural areas in the north where there is a need for job creation. Yes, you have costs, but you're also, if the economics are there, you're driving uh, money back into a local uh, environment. Um, so that you can, you know, drive development and, you know, every megawatt, every MMBTU that we're getting out of biomass, we are likely displacing um, something that's fossil based where carbon is trapped. And uh, so for uh, a lot of these reasons, I think it's a really good uh, and, and there's, you know, there's kind of other stages of biomass like, you know, you have corn on that uh, behind uh, screen behind you uh lisa and you know when we pull that corn off the field we leave all that stover there yes it's got some organics for the field but maybe there's some more biomass we can get there so there's a lot of different ways we can go with biomass i think it's a, a great uh, technology and donald trump will offer to rake your forest floors uh, like they do in finland <laughs> to help you with your forest management so all these pros on biomass <laughs> wow all right well um, although Matt did go over his time, I'm obviously going to have to give Matt had a compelling argument. So Matt uh, takes this one for the for the face off. That's OK. I would have given it to Matt anyways, because if because <laughs> I could have argued the pro part, obviously, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll I, have I, to. I, I, I could have. I mean, I, I don't remember if you touched on transportation, like the big knock is transportation. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, t I touched on that piece because, yeah, yeah, I think that's the biggest piece. Obviously, you know, you have. Uh, well, and obviously transportation kind of relates to two pieces. It's emissions, but it's also cost, right? Like you got that you have that extra cost, so that's going to in, inflate your feedstock price. Um, and obviously the emissions front is problematic, unless it's, of course, you know, a, a vehicle that is uh, using hydrogen fuel cells or, um, you know, battery storage. Electric buses. Electric buses, that's correct. But, but hold on, that's assuming that that electric bus is being charged by... A, in a geographical area that has green electricity, right? Yes, that is the that is the assumption. Well, you you made the same assumption when you said hydrogen fuel cell. You assumed it was green. Correct. So. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. I did. You you really just wanted to get hydrogen in because it had been twenty minutes and we didn't have. Hydrogen. <laughs> yes, Stop. right. I had to bring it up. Yes. Well, uh, Mark and Lisa, thank you as always. This is never boring. Always fun, and all the best to your Canadiens in your next yeah. uh, next game. And uh, to both of you, have a great long weekend. Uh, and uh, till next round table stay safe have fun and long live the queen even the dead one <laughs> queen victoria weekend, everyone. We're, we're celebrating queen victoria in canada so for our american listeners have a good weekend see you guys have a good one bye bye